Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? Wow, you sounded really far away. Where'd you go? Oh, geez. I was standing right here. What up, Doc? That's better. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I would be the not sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 374, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. Oh, we're going to entertain and dazzle you. I can guarantee you that because the Cowboys draft is in the book. Interesting, as usual, with the Dallas Cowboys drafting. We will dive into all the picks. Really, we went over, of course, the one that dropped last week, our thoughts on Smith, their first-round selection, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, and kind of thought everything that he can do. Just an interesting thing that the Cowboys, and we mentioned this on our last podcast, they do something in the first round we haven't seen them do since 1991, drafting the big meaty dude in the middle for this Dan Quinn defense. But we do got to go through second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round draft picks because that's where they all were and some interesting ones to say the least. Before we do that, let's tell you, as we always do, we start off telling you about Greening Law. Maybe it was this weekend, you're out and about and a car flew through a red light and smashed into you, had to go to the hospital, you got these medical bills, the insurance company's driving you nuts. You're sitting here going, it wasn't even my fault. I, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's when you call Robert Greening and Greening Law because he's a personal injury lawyer. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice, if you were standing in line at a business and a ceiling tile fell off and landed on your head, you need to call Robert Greening and the Green Team and let him go to bat for you and fight against these insurance companies to get you what you need. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. You've been through the process. You know what it's like. You know what a help they were to you, whether it was answering questions that, as I like to say, you didn't even know were supposed to be asked, uh, whether they were setting up appointments for you uh, to make sure your back was straight. You've been through it all, and they've been there the whole way with you. And that's really what Greening Law does, man. They walk you through this process. And Matt can tell you, this process can be intimidating. It can be lengthy. It can be tedious. It can get on your daggone nerves. But then every time that happens, you got Greening Law there telling you, hey, hold tight. Don't worry about it. We got this. Turn left right here. Got some obstacle coming. Make it right. Let's hold tight for a day or two. This thing will pass. And they just walk you through the process, man. And so I tell them, everybody, if you're involved in one of those things Matt described, give them a call. 972-934-8900. Y'all know the number by now. Tell them your situation and hope like heck they bring you on as a client. And remember, they don't cash a single check. They don't get a single penny unless you get paid. That's absolutely right, man. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. The Dallas Cowboys, their draft class is in the books. And overall, this was an interesting draft. It seems like most people, and I always think it's, it's interesting, the immediate grades that people are giving out when you see this after the draft. I mean, we don't have any idea. We have no idea what these people are going to turn into. But It seems like for the most part, if you buy into those grades, the Cowboys draft class as a whole, they certainly didn't do what the Eagles did, which is genius and brilliant with all the things that the Eagles do in drafting. And then they trade for DeAndre Swift. But it does feel like most people think this was like a a kind of a B-rated draft class overall. It felt like there were some reaches in value 
But at the same time, they addressed a lot of needs. I will say it was interesting because we were sitting here watching this and through the first four rounds of the draft, they'd taken three defensive players and you and I had spent the entire offseason screaming to get playmakers for the offense to find help for Dak. Quite honestly, we'll see about Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round. They only drafted two offensive players out of their seven picks. Everything else went to the defense. Well, the offensive lineman as well. So he's the third, but two weapons, I should say. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're banking on Dak Prescott having a hell of a year, and I think they're banking on um, – You got to talk into the mic. You know what it is, man? <laughs> the mic swirled on me, and I was, uh, talking to the side, I was talking to the side of it. I was like, man, what uh, is happening here? <laughs> uh, they're really banking on Dak Prescott, man, to have a bounce-back season. And, now that y'all can hear me, they're banking on Mike McCarthy to get this offense to be even more productive – uh, they had some very productive moments last year. Uh, then they also had some moments where they couldn't do anything. Um, you know, they actually were, were 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 better than I thought when I went back and looked at the overall numbers. Uh, but the the main thing is, I think they're banking on Dak to have a big year, and they're think they're hoping that uh, they can get continued development out of Ceedee Lamb and Tony Pollard. Luke Schoonmaker, we'll just start there. Second round, the tight end out of Michigan, and it was interesting because there was a quick run in the second round on tight ends. Only one goes in the first round, and then the second round comes around. And lo and behold, I mean, pretty quickly as well, you immediately saw Michael Mayer, who went off the board, I think, with like the third or fourth pick. And then Luke Musgrave went in the mid of the round. And then the Cowboys had an opportunity. And there were a couple guys on the board. Uh, Laporta, right. Laporta went before, and I think that they were really big on him as well. So by the time the Cowboys got to this point, I think they absolutely had to take a tight end. They probably ideally would have liked to have gotten Schoonmaker later. He wouldn't have been there in the third round. And it's interesting because I had seen where he was more rated as a third round guy. I know Dane Brugler had him rated as like 90th and in a little bit further down. But if the Cowboys identify this is a guy we want, you couldn't have waited until the third round and hope this guy was still going to be there. He's an interesting selection because he didn't have a lot of production at Michigan. Started 21 games his last two years as a starter there at Michigan. But even last season, he only had 35 catches. Didn't do a lot in the receiving game. 418 yards, two touchdowns. He's an older guy. He he spent five years in high school and five years in college. He turns 25 years old in September. Whoa. Yeah, 6'5", 250 pounds. But he's an interesting guy because he blocks well, he catches well, he runs really good routes. And the thing that I've seen on him is he can get open and find ways to get himself open. But once he catches it, much like Jason Witten, he's not going anywhere with the ball. Right. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I think that he's, a you know, you're looking, yeah, you want explosive players, you want guys who make big plays. I think we all get that. But you also got to have some guys who move the chains, some guys who can uh, work the middle and create those first downs for you that allow you to keep drives going. And that to, me, that to me appears to be what he's going to do. And I'm with you, dog. The reality of it is, especially when you're drafting late, you know, 24, 25 and beyond, you can sit here and say, well, his value is better later. You're right. That dude ain't going to be there later. So you got to make a move now. Like, I think they would have liked to have a tight end in the first round. Mm -hmm. Then you could have got Meyer, Mayer, or you could have got Laporta, whichever one you liked the best. But guess who wasn't going to be there in the second round at pick 58? Probably Mozzie. And so, you know, you're just making decisions about what's the guy that we got to have. And they took him. Why? Because there's a bunch of good tight ends in this draft. And Mm -hmm. so we can get a tight end in the second round. We know for sure. Might not be the exact one we want, but we can get one who can help us. We can't find this big 350-pound dude in the second round at pick 58 because he ain't going to be there. Yeah, and, and the reality of it is that this is this is a really safe tight end pick. This dude's going to be a solid tight end in the NFL. I don't know if he'll be spectacular, but then again, maybe he will develop into that. As I've seen, basically they say he's average in most areas, but has the size, speed, and strength to be a solid possession receiver and positional blocker. His well-rounded game will help him become a steady number two with the potential to be a number one tight end for an NFL team. And I think that's about right from everything I've read about him. That kind of sums up for the the basics of, of what everybody who watches film on this guy. 
he's going to be, I think, a really solid tight end for this team without being spectacular. And, and you never know. Maybe he'll develop into that over the course of time as he works and develops. No, I think that's absolutely what the deal is. The third round pick was DeMarvian Overshone, the linebacker out of Texas. Most people had him going in the third round. He's 6'2", 225. He's a guy that it's really, really interesting because a lot of people have said this. He projects as a core NFL special teamer and a sub-package linebacker. And you kind of wonder, okay, maybe he's going to be a lead on special teams and you can rotate him in. Is that a third-round guy? Uh, Here's the deal. Ordinarily, I'd say no. I'm giving the Cowboys the Dan Quinn benefit of the doubt. And here's what I mean. Dan Quinn has shown us with different guys that they've acquired, be it draft, free agency, whatever, he has a certain vision for a guy and how he can use a guy and how he can maximize a guy's strength. Uh, this dude started his career as a safety. He bulked into a linebacker. And so you have to figure there's some ways he envisions using him to take advantage of that skill set and put him in a position to make plays. Um, and, and that's what I hope that, that he does. Yeah, special teams are good. Yeah. But check this out. It's just my opinion, but it's very valid. <laughs> the way the NFL is going in terms of eliminating kicking plays, core special teamers, to me, aren't as important as they used to be because I don't think we're going to have a traditional kickoff in two or three years. That whole thing that they're doing yeah. in the XFL where yeah. they line up at the 30 or whatever it is. and Whatever that thing is that they're doing in the XFL, I think you'll see that in the NFL in a couple of years. Uh, punting is always a good deal. But let's keep it real, man. What are there, like four return punts for touchdowns a year? I mean, it's not just it's just not that big a deal. And so uh, you got to do more than be a core special teams guy. And I hope that that's what this guy is. Yeah. And, and from what I've read, like the breakdown on Overshown is he's got to develop his strength and awareness of the play. But he has above average NFL speed to be an energetic run and hit pursuit player with upside and coverage. And again, like you said, if Dan Quinn's going to be here. And he's going to be here at least this upcoming season. After that, who knows? You do kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt as this is a guy that maybe he feels like he can move around and do some things with. I'm not saying the next Micah Parsons, but similar to kind of how they can move Micah around. And Micah is capable of doing a few different things. I think Overshone is kind of similar to that, but not on that level. So don't confuse me saying I'm not comparing this guy to Parsons, just the, the way that they use him. No, I feel you on that. And I think you're right on that. So the other guy, as they went through the draft, and, and again, you get into the fourth round, and I thought, okay, that maybe they're going receiver here, maybe they're going running back. There were guys on the board that we all liked. But once again, they, they go edge. And Demarcus Lawrence isn't getting any younger. This, to me, assuming that this dude turns out, probably signals to the Dorrance Armstrong camp, hey, enjoy free agency next year. This is Junior Fajoko, the edge out of San Jose State. Again, smaller school guy, group of five guy, not one of those top tier guys, but he, from everything I've read, is high motor. You know, you hear that term a lot. Energetic play, uses his hands really, really well. And the Dorrance Armstrong thing to me is I think that that's what this guy can develop into. He he can kind of do what Dorrance has done, rotate in, make a few plays here and there. And, and if you can do that, then you need that guy on your team. Well, see, I've been reading that, uh, and, you know, Will McClay talked about this. They talked about moving him inside into like a three technique where he's a pass rushing defensive tackle because of his skill set. Yeah, and he can uh, do that. He's capable of that. Yeah, and so I, I see them as, as trying to use him there to do what? Again, create some pass rush and uh, affect the quarterback up the middle where they haven't had a lot of success doing and flush guys out wide where, you know, Micah can get him, Tank Lawrence can get him, Dorrance Armstrong can get him. So you build it, you have pieces, you move on. In the fifth round from North Carolina, they take an offensive lineman by the name of Asim Richards. And you knew that they were going to take an offensive lineman at some point. You have to take an offensive lineman at some point. And and he was projected as a fifth-round guy. They basically got him where you would expect, 6'4", 310 pounds. Um, 
you hope he can come in, maybe be a swing tackle, a, a dude that gives you some depth on the offensive line. That's why you draft offensive linemen in the fifth round. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's all. I have no expectations. I don't have any expectations for anybody drafted after the fifth round. Because um, what you're doing is you're banking on a skill set. Normally, it's a singular skill set that you're hoping you can develop. Uh, and, and, but I will say this. The Cowboys have been very good at getting guys in the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds and turning them into uh, solid contributing players for the four years of their deal. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he became a contributor, but as a rookie, I don't have any expectations for him to do anything. Yeah, I I don't either. And I think that this is, again, the hope is you develop him into a swing tackle or a, a backup lineman that you can actually use from time to time. As you mentioned, that's not happening in year one. I, I doubt and hope that we don't really have to see that dude much next year. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you don't want to see that guy next year. He's not projected to start. You hope you don't have any injuries that force him to have to come in and play for you. True that, true that. I true mean, that. reality just being that. Their first sixth-round pick was a dude named Eric Scott from Southern Miss. So, again, another one of those Dan Quinn projects, I guess, trying to give him some depth there in the secondary and you got to have those pieces. It, it's, I mean, at some point we all realize you, you got to make picks at the back part of the draft and you got to have depth at some position. And the Cowboys needed to add a secondary piece and they were able to go out and do that with this kid from Southern Miss. Um, now, his story is a little interesting. We'll see how it plays out. He said at his pro day, there's two facts, there's two things about him that are interesting. At his pro day, he said five days before his pro day, he was running 4 4 2 in a 40 said he strained the quad during his pro day and didn't want to quit and ended up running a 471. Uh, whereas uh, I'm sure his agent is like, Doug, you'd have been better off pulling up so that everybody knew that's why you ran a 471. Uh, the second thing about him is his wingspan is supposed to be 80 inches, which is like the third longest in the draft. Huh? <laughs> that is large, man. That is and a so, massive wingspan. Yeah, so he's a guy who can get his hands on footballs that other guys can't get, can't get to. So when you put that with the speed, you see why they took a shot on him and hope that he can become something uh, at a later date. Yeah, so. Now, you got to remember this, Matt. None of us, well, let me say this. Most of us, I feel comfortable saying that. Most of us had no idea when they took Deron Bland in the fifth round last year. That's true. I would say most people were very unaware (laughs) of him. Like, who is this? Yeah. And he turned out to have a heck of a rookie year. So uh, what I'm saying is, you know, they take these guys, again, I'm telling you, after the fifth round because they got a certain individual skill set, and then you hope you can coach them on some other stuff and find a player. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you mentioned Bland. I mean, there's guys that they've pulled from a variety of rounds in the past. That Donovan Wilson, you know, later yeah. Xavier Woods a few years back, whenever that was. You know, they've had success with these guys who have been able to come in and do some things for them even if they're not some elite le- and again you're not you're not expecting to get an elite level guy in the sixth round you just hope he can make the team and maybe be active for you and, and help out from time to time or maybe he becomes tom brady <laughs> yes maybe he does <laughs> that's always everybody always likes to say that when you talk about you know you're not going to find a guy well you could find tom brady like well i mean you could <laughs> i tend to side with the 99 percent chance that you're probably not but you know you know what you very well might find that guy <laughs> so we'll see exactly. i mean th- this is a dude that dane brugler who does this thing called the beast every year where he rates like every possible prospect that could even be in this thing right he had eric scott rated as his 60th cornerback right so we'll see I, I, who knows and then the pick that i think everybody got excited about how can you not because this is going to be really interesting to see how they use this dude and the fact that the tie-in with his dad and that phone call that he got to make, that was just cool. Their last pick of the draft, 212 overall, the five foot five, 179-pound Darren Sproul starter kit, Deuce Vaughn, the running back from Kansas State. We knew they were going to go in and get a running back in this draft. I had no idea that they would be looking for a guy who can do so. I mean, you can't see this dude behind the line of scrimmage until he's past you. <laughs> He's 5'5", he's 180, but he's an explosive guy, quick guy, fast guy, big play guy. And to me, we said we want a playmaker. Well, they added one at running back, um, you know, in the sixth round. And he's a guy who I expect to make plays for them next year if 
they figure out how to use them, which means screen passes, yes. which means angle routes or Texas routes or whatever you want to call them, where the guy comes out, you know, outside the defensive end about three yards and then cuts it across the middle. That's a big play for me in uh, college football with uh, uh, your boy on the cover in 2014 edition. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Was that Robinson? <laughs> yeah, shoelace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and so, really, what I'm saying is, if you give him opportunity, he showed at the college level uh, that he's a big play guy. And so, you'd like to see them give him every sort of opportunity to make big plays in the league. This is a dude. His last two years at K State, just rushing, 1,404 yards is a, his in 2021 last season. 1558 he had 18 rushing touchdowns in 2021 nine in 2022 in addition to that 49 catches for 468 yards in 2021 42 catches for 378 yards in 2022 this is a dude when you average out his touches from scrimmage a guy that averages in college the last two seasons over seven yards a touch playing in the big 12 nuts too shabby. I like it. Um, I, I loved this pick. And the fact they got him in the sixth round, the value. I mean, we're talking about this dude was a first team All-American, led the FBS last year in all-purpose yards, as you said, because I've seen people, oh, he's too small. He, I'm like, I'm telling you, man, you watch K-State play. All this did. I don't care that he's not super fast. He runs like a 4'6". Who cares? All this did, this guy did was put up numbers and make plays at K-State. There's no reason to think he won't be able to continue doing that, as you mentioned, in the right role in the NFL. No, that's that's all he did, bro. And what about the game, and you know this as well as anybody, what about the game he had against Alabama yeah. in the bowl game? <clears throat> uh, now, you know, it's a bowl game. K-State, to me, is always going to care about a bowl game more than a place like Alabama, even though Alabama ultimately won. Right. Um, but, you know, he did his thing. I mean – and we all know Alabama's got a terrific defense. Uh, they're always going to be prepared. They're always going to show up. And he did the damn thing with uh, more than 100 yards against Alabama. Yeah. Uh, he's – I liked this pick a lot. I, I, I kind of was hoping that as the draft was going down that they'd get Dwayne McBride from UAB because I like him a lot. But when I saw that they went with Deuce Vaughn, they got, you got your running back. You got to like that selection. And, and the tie-in to his dad, man, that's yeah. just, that was something else. to see. I mean, I can't even – being a dad and you get to make the, the phone call to your kid that, hey, not only are you being drafted in the NFL, you're coming to play for us in Dallas. Dude, that's wild. Uh, because, you know, here's the other thing. When they were putting the, the draft board together and evaluating running backs and stuff, uh, he excused himself sort of from the room so that everybody felt good about talking freely about it. Uh, you know, whether they thought he was an NFL caliber player or not or, or what the big deal with his height was. Uh, you know, so he was very sensitive to that. And then, you know, during the draft, you know, I think his son was realistic about, okay, I'm not going first, second round, but damn, mm -hmm. you know, third, fourth, fifth round, uh, yeah. So he started, uh, you know, you know, getting uh, uh, into his head a little bit as the sixth round was coming. And so uh, his dad had to talk to him and say, hey, here's the situation, you know, if hopefully you get drafted, but if you don't, you know, we'll find you a good spot to go in, to land, and, uh, you know, you'll start your career there. You always want to be drafted. It's good for your ego. Uh, but I've been telling a few players, uh, especially the guys I've talked to at Jackson State, you always want to be drafted because it's great for your ego. I was yeah. drafted. Uh, and it makes you feel good. Some team wanted me. But real truth now is if you're not going to get taken, I'd say if you're, not, if, you're, if you're still there after the fifth round, if you can put your ego to the side, it's really better to be an undrafted free agent because then three teams wanted you. Oh, I don't know. I can't believe we passed up on McLean. Yeah. Let's try to get him. Oh, oh, coach, hold up a second. I've got the, I've got the Raiders and the Bucks on, on hold. Let me get back to you. And the agents can milk him. And I saw a deal today where somebody got, you know, a thirty dollars or $40,000 signing bonus yep. and 145 of his first-year salary guaranteed. Okay, that – that's pretty good. That's what happens with supply and demand. And, oh, we really wanted this guy. We just ran out of draft picks. I mean, and don't say like, oh, what are you talking about? Anybody who's ever played fantasy football knows you have all these rounds in the draft and then draft over like, oh, I can't believe I don't have one more pick. I want this guy. Like you had the whole draft to get that guy. And now it's like the end of the world if you can't get him. <laughs> I know. It's very true, man. It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I don't know why teams do that. But just but they do. Just a draft class, all in all, 
And again, I mentioned this when we started talking about it. I was surprised that they went more defensive heavy and they really only got the two playmakers and Schoonmaker, I don't even know if you would call him that. We shall see. Deuce Vaughn obviously is more of an explosive type guy. I was surprised by that, but the Cowboys, it, it you got to give them to some degree the benefit of the doubt because this is a really good drafting franchise that sometimes will take guys that we're all like, why'd you take that? And they end up turning out and being just fine. All in all, it, it feels like it's a solid class that has some potential here to really help in what they're trying to put together next season. Yeah, I mean, I think they um, they went into the draft telling us that, uh, you know, we don't have any specific needs. And let's let's keep it real, man, um, because all the beat guys, pretty much all of them put a picture of this up. Uh, Mike McCarthy had a crumpled sheet of paper uh, that he showed. I think he started with Clarence e. Hill Jr., friend of the program. Uh, and then everybody else saw it as well, which showed what, duh? Showed Jonathan Hankins as what? A six-round pick. Stephon Gilmore is a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon Cooks is a fifth-round pick on this actual sheet of their draft picks because that's how they viewed them. We spent that on those guys, and so we're adding them to our draft class. Um, now, whether you agree with that or not, it's really all about talent acquisition. These are the guys that they have, uh, they have acquired to upgrade the talent, and that's why they were able to draft the way that they did. Now, we need to get in, and we'll run through just real quickly some of the undrafted free agents. I mean, again, we know every year that one or two of these guys is going to make the team and in some cases end up being a big piece of that. But before we do that, really happy to tell you about one of our new sponsors that has just jumped on with us. And I can tell you this. I know that all of you that live in the DFW area experience heat that is just like living inside of Satan's butt. Well... (laughs) The reality of it is you got to make sure that your heating and your air conditioning unit, your HVAC, as they might call it, is taken care of and that it can fight through the crazy Texas summers. So we're happy to welcome on board Flow Air Heating and Air. And Flow Air is family and veteran owned and operated company. They've got over 16 years of experience. And right now for the month of May, Flow Air is offering their yearly maintenance for $99 per system instead of the normal $169. So you're getting a $70 savings on that. And for every yearly maintenance that they sell in May, $5 of it will go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And they're also running a special on their AC surge protectors per system, which helps to shield your electronic systems and to keep you from having to buy the expensive replacement parts when they screw up. So Flow Air, that's who you need to call if you've got some air conditioning needs and you need to get, I'm telling you right now, after the summer that everybody in DFW went through last year, before it starts getting really hot again, I would probably make the call, get that yearly maintenance and get your AC unit serviced and up to date. Nah, man, uh, as a person who's gone through some air conditioning woes over the last uh, few years, nah, Flow Air is the kind of company that gets you right and I like the fact that it's 24 hours, man, because I've had one of those situations where I had to wait overnight with no AC. And in Texas, no, nah, that was not a pleasant experience at all. No, no, it wouldn't be at all. And, and that's one thing you mentioned it. They do provide 24-7 emergency service. They service the entire DFW area. Repairs, sales, systems, attic installation, duct cleaning services, all your AC needs. It's Flow Air. You can call them or you can text them. Flow Air at 817-808-4115. 817-808-4115. You can also search for him Flow Air on Google, F-L-O-A-I-R-E. It's Flow Air. Use them. They're supporting us. Support them and thank them for being a part of the podcast because that's awesome. Also, our boys over at Bruce Biltong are back, man. And for those of you that have jumped in recently, if you haven't had an opportunity to try Bruce Biltong, now is your chance because they're back. They're offering you once again, 15% off your order. You use the promo code jam 15 at checkout and you make Bill Tong, Bill Tong, what's Bill Tong? Remember Bill Tong is like beef jerky, but it's not. It's a traditional South African air dried meat. It is better. I have it in my pantry all the time. It is super healthy. It is lean. It is chock full of protein, 30 grams of protein in a two ounce bag. If you like beef jerky at all, you will absolutely love Bill Tong. No, nah, man, Biltong rocks, bro. It's, you know, you got to imagine this. It's like jerky, but it's not. 
because it's succulent it's kind of tender it's kind of juicy it's it's a whole different breed man they get the animal they dry it out they cut the strips kind of from the buttocks that's true they, they do. do they dry it out and it's fantastic i mean it's it's delicious uh you know i like the sliced it melts in your mouth out. i mean it's not like i know y'all some of y'all are like what do you, you just said it was like jerky but it melts in your mouth i ain't lying to you try it it's fantastic, man. I, 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 I absolutely love Biltong. And you need to go on bruisebiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G and order yours today. Promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. Glad to have Bruce Biltong back with us. So the Cowboys undrafted free agents, and there's always a bunch of these guys. Let me give you one before you get started. Okay. Because this is a guy who's got a chance to be a real player. Okay. I'm going to give you a guess. Who am I talking about? I'm guessing that you're thinking Tyrus Wheat. No. Okay. Because they gave him a $180 salary guarantee. I hope it's more than $180. Well, that's what they gave him in a $20,000 signing bonus, which for an undrafted free agent isn't isn't bad. No, I hope it's more like $180,000, not $180. Yeah, 180,000. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, the guy I'm thinking about awesome. is uh, Isaiah Land out of uh, Florida A&M. Yeah. And here's why. He's 6'4", 236, another one of those uh, guys who was a safety who morphed into a linebacker. He did not have a great senior year. Uh, he got a lot more attention and uh, he just didn't have a great senior year. Um, I was looking at the stats because I just had him. Uh, his, his, his last year, um, he ended up with um, like uh, nine sacks and 12 tackles for loss, which is solid. Mm-hmm. It's okay. The year before, bro, and he also missed three or four games. Uh, the year before, uh, 19 sacks, 25 tackles for loss. Yeah, and he was named um, as the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. That year. Right. And he was uh, preseason all any award defensive he had it this year. Like I said, he didn't have as good a year this year. He got caught up in a uh, – it's not really his fault, but he got caught up in one of those things where somebody, his grades weren't – he had an eligibility issue that he didn't create. Mm. Somebody mm. else created it. I got and you. So I think he missed the first three games because of that. But if – and here's why I said he's a guy to look out for. He has a skill set, Okay. And again, I keep saying this, but it's true. Dan Quinn has proved to y'all that he will figure out how to take advantage of people with unique skill sets and put them in position to uh, to be successful. And here, to me, he's a guy who has the ability to do that. Now, whether he will or not, we'll find out. But he's somebody who's going to get a shot to be a difference maker. All right. So keep your eye on Isaiah Land. Isaiah Land. Yeah. Okay. Now, who's your guy? With the $180 signing bonus. Yeah, yeah. So the other guy, that was Tyrus Wheat, the linebacker from Mississippi State with the $180. (laughs) (laughs) The $180,000 guarantee that they gave him. So they obviously wanted to make sure they could bring him in undrafted. And, And again, keep in mind, Malik Davis, the running back, undrafted free agent they brought in last year. Peyton Hendershot at tight end, undrafted free agent they brought in last year. So couple of the other guys that they brought in, Hunter Lumpke, Lipke, I don't even know how to say his dude's name, North Dakota State, he is a fullback that they are bringing in. David Durden, a wide receiver from Florida who dominated Division II, they say. He's a former Boston Red Sox prospect, but last year at D2 in West Florida, he had 54 catches for 1,128 yards. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Tolbert was doing that, but I mean. Maybe he's a dude that's going to take the top off the defense. I'm just saying, man, that's 21 yards a catch on 54 catches. Yeah, it's doing some work now. That's that's impressive. Princeton Fant, the Tennessee tight end, has agreed to become a Dallas Cowboy, and he's a guy that you may say, Fant, Fant, that sounds familiar. Remember Noah Fant currently with the Seattle Seahawks? That's his cousin. In Mm. case you were wondering, Earl Bostic Jr., the tackle from Kansas, they gave him $220,000 guaranteed 
to wow. bring in the tackle from Kansas. He's a converted tight end who made 25 starts at left tackle the last two years for Kansas. TJ Bass, an offensive lineman from Oregon who has started at both left guard and left tackle. Jalen Marino Cropper, a wide receiver from Fresno State. He's a small dude, 5'11", 172 pounds, 83 catches for a little over 1,000 yards last year there for Fresno State. Jose Barbon, the wide receiver from Temple. Darrell Johnson, a linebacker from Liberty. Miles Brooks, a defensive back from Louisiana Tech. D'Angelo Mandel from BYU, a corner. John Stevens Jr., a wide receiver from Louisiana. And those are the ones so far that are your Cowboys undrafted free agents. But, you know, kind of anytime you see somebody like that, dude, if you're if they're guaranteeing you 180K or 220,000 or whatever, and you're an undrafted free agent, that can be a lot of the times more than the guys they drafted in the sixth round get guaranteed. Absolutely. That's that was my whole point of, you know, that sometimes it's just better to be undrafted if you can put your ego to the side than it is to be drafted after the fifth round. So, because you have a lot of people competing for your services and you can end up with a deal like that. We shall see overall how this draft class plays out. But I think you got to be pleased with it. it it's, it's really unfortunate because it, it sure as hell, once again, and we did this last offseason, it really, really, really feels like the Philadelphia Eagles got better during the draft with Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, and, oh, by the way, they trade for DeAndre Swift from Detroit. No, they had a hell of a draft, man. Hell of a draft. Um, coming off a Super Bowl appearance. And, uh, you know, they, to me, they're the team to beat. So, But your Dallas Cowboys had a heck of a year last year, man. They won 12 games, and we're sitting up here mad because they blew 14, 17-point leads against Jacksonville and the Packers. Yep. So they could have very easily won – you know, 14 games last year because I don't think they had too many where they were games they should have lost that they won. Um, so, you know, and I think the Cowboys have upgraded this offseason. So I think that they're a really good team. Uh, I think the Eagles are better. But when you when you put two really good teams together, like I don't think the Eagles are significantly better than the Cowboys. I think that they're better, mm-hmm. but not significantly. And so, you know, There'll be tough, hard-fought, classic games this year. And the Eagles, man, I mean, you know, it, it became the running joke that they're trying to recreate the 2021 national champion Georgia defense in Philadelphia because they now have five players from that defense that they have drafted in the last two drafts because the three I mentioned, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Keely Ringo from this year's team, and then Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, who they drafted last year, and then they trade – for DeAndre Swift, who played at Georgia, it's, it's it's really wild, man. That's never happened before in the common draft era where five defenders from the same team were drafted into the NFL by the same team in a two-year period. Wow. Um, it's very interesting, and, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with you. You know, it's it's the, the more intriguing thing is how they were able to just maneuver it like that. Some of it's luck, some of it's mm-hmm. uh, in being intentional about it. But – you know, you get – I mean, we all know how good Georgia's defense were. They played in the SEC, so they played against the best competition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes sense to put as many of them cats together as you can. Yeah, I mean, that defense last year they, – they were good this year. That defense last year was nasty, nasty. And and now you can see why. I mean, it's, it's really, really interesting to see that. And it makes a lot of sense because I've thought that with the Cowboys before. Like, when in doubt, when you get into the later rounds, I would just draft Georgia and Alabama dudes. Yeah. Like for, off, for defense, I mean, because you know they're playing Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are probably the two best defensive minds in college football, especially Saban, and you can do worse than just taking a guy that played with him or for him, I mean. Uh, bro, no, I mean, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> like, literally, if there's not – like, I'm listening – I'm looking at some of my HBCU fans on my Twitter timeline. They're like, hey, all these guys from big schools can't be that much more talented – than uh, the guys uh, from the HBCUs that are drafted in the sixth and seventh round. And what I try to explain to them from time to time is, when they're open to listening, is that there's, I mean, 
individually talent, yeah, you can you can find some HBCU guys who compete as well as as uh, Big Ten guys or SEC guys. But it's not just that, man. It's about the complexity of your playbook and being able to pick it up quicker. It's about and this is real, man, because I've had coaches tell me this. There's an adjustment for players from times who have to get used to playing in front of a hundred thousand. You know that they were they were playing in front of 100,000 at the SEC, so playing in front of 75,000 in the NFL is not that big a deal. Yeah, if you're playing in front of 12 and 15,000 at an HBCU or 20, like Alcorn State Stadium, don't seat but 20. There's a big difference between 20 and 75,000, 80,000 in the NFL, and it takes a minute to adjust to all of that. You know, the weight programs at a Power Five program are pretty much like an NFL program. It's not like that at an HBCU. And so all of those factors, when you're talking about who's a more polished product, those are the things that coaches will tell you. If we're, if we're making a choice between A and B, we'll take A, not to mention the competition yeah. level, over B. And so it's not really a slight. It's just what it is until those schools get beefed up in those areas. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Alabama led the draft, Alabama and Georgia, who both had 10 picks. And, you know, that was like when the Cowboys took that D, that one random DB, Eric Scott, in the sixth round. I was like, I mean, DeMarco Hellams is still on the board from Alabama. Now, he's a safety, not a corner. But, you know, that was a guy right. that I thought, again, if, if you're just going to take shots on guys late, you know, why not go for some of the, the best college defenders? Kind of like what and Philadelphia is getting the better ones, obviously, because they're getting them higher in the draft. But I also right. thought it was interesting because everybody knows that I'm a Texas fan and it finally happened for the Longhorns. They had five draft picks. A&M only had three. <laughs> but more importantly, Bijan Robinson being drafted in the first round is the first offensive player drafted from Texas in the first round since Vince Young in 2006. That is absolutely, positively incredible. <laughs> It finally happened. I mean, it's, it's just <laughs> unbelievable, bro. It is. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, and it speaks to the program in terms of why they've been shitty and why they had, why it's just a lack of development because they have all these, these classes that have players in them. Uh, and now, hopefully, with the uh, with new coach, uh, Sarkeesian, they can, they can get things turned around and start having draftable players because that really tells us what your program is all about. Uh, so are we surprised that TCU beat them? No, nah, because what? TCU had eight guys drafted. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of you, – you can – it's like the year before when Cincinnati made the, the Final Four and went to the playoff, and, and they had something right. like eight or nine guys drafted. And, and you, they put it together and were able to figure it out during that time. I mean, generally speaking – you can look at Alabama and Georgia. They might be pretty good if they're sending 10 dudes a year to the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. What is interesting, though, and I will say this, is the good news for Texas, they should have a couple of first-round draft picks next year because they're tied in. That Sanders kid is expected to go in the first round, and there's a really good chance that Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver, would go in the first round as well. Right. And we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if Quinn Ewers develops – he very well may go in the first round. And holy hell, Texas could have three offensive players taken in the first round. We'll see. We'll see. How about that? It's a long way to go before we get to next year's draft. But Cowboys, all in all, solid draft. Enjoyed it. And we'll welcome the class in and see how it goes. As we continue here on this version of the podcast, let's tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his guys, man. You know it. I tell you about this all the time. Oil changes. You need new tires. You need new brakes. You need service on your vehicle. You need an inspection. Don't you want to go somewhere that you trust, that you are blown away by the customer service? You're like, wow, I, I just came for an oil change. This is incredible. That is Freeway Tire Shop. Whether you're spending a ton of money on new engine or you're just going in for your oil change, they're going to treat you the same. They're going to have an incredible experience. You'll, you'll sit there and go, how in the world is this a mechanic? This is incredible, and that's Freeway Tire Shop. Nah, man, it's Freeway Tire Shop. My man, JR, he's the truth, and I tell anybody I meet that. And that's because, man, you don't have to worry when you go to him, bro. You don't have to worry about anything because you can trust him to figure out what the heck is wrong with my car. That's number one. Number two, you can trust him that he's going to use quality parts to fix whatever the heck it is is wrong with your car. 
Number three, you can trust him to charge you a fair price. And then number four, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work that not everybody does. So if your mechanic ain't doing all of that, not three out of four, not two or four, if your mechanic isn't doing all four of those things, then I suggest, Matt suggests, that you go right up the street, up 35E North toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown. Go through the light. Look to the right. There's JR and say, hey, the fellas from Jam Session insisted I come bring my car to you, and he will take care of the rest, and I guarantee you, you'll be sending us a thank you note. Yes, you will indeed. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Go check them out. You can find them online if you want to maybe request a quote or schedule your appointment there at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, we tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions all the time. They've been with us for a while, and much like how we were talking about flow air earlier and how important it is to get your air conditioning serviced before the hot summer months come along, same thing with your your foundation, man. You just you don't want to mess with it because we're talking about things that can cost thousands of dollars if you don't have it taken care of. And that's why you call Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions. If you're starting to see cracks in your walls or your ceilings, some sloped floors, maybe some doors that started sticking that weren't before, those are all signs that something could be wrong with your foundation. You want to find out as early as you possibly can. And it's a free, no obligation inspection. They're family owned, they're local, and they'll come out and see what's going on with HFX Foundation Solutions. Dude, the thing you want to do with HFX, man, is call and tell them you want that colonoscopy for your crib. <laughs> Stop laughing. It's true. Uh, Aaron and his team has got equipment. They bring it up to your crib. They take a look around at the inner workings of your house, all the stuff you can't see. And what they do, man, is they tell you, hey, here's what it looks like. Uh, it's clean bill of health. Or, hey, maybe we caught something. If they caught something, chances are, chances are they caught it early, bro. And if you catch it early, we all know it costs a fraction of the cost if you catch it late. So give Aaron and his team an opportunity to come give your house a colonoscopy for the crib and give you the peace of mind that comes with it. Because trust me, peace of mind is worth it. It is, man. 817-770-0174, hfxfoundation.com. You can check them out. Oh, these Texas Rangers, my friend, I got to tell you, at the end of Thursday night, or I guess it was Thursday afternoon, I'm sitting there with these Texas Rangers, and I'm just shaking my head. We talked about it on Friday just briefly. We were going, okay, so the bullpen is trash. They're never going to win another game. (laughs) They're horrible. What is going on with these Texas Rangers? I just, what is going on with these Texas Rangers? They get swept by the Cincinnati Reds. And then, of course... The Yankees come to town, and the Yankees promptly beat them. And you're sitting here going, okay, that's four in a row. Longest losing streak of the season. I guess that that hot start was not what we thought it was. But lo and behold, little did we know that the Texas Rangers would take three out of four. They win three in a row over the weekend against the Yankees. They outscored the Yankees in the final three games of that series, 22-4. to including a 15-2 win on Sunday and a 2-0 shutout on Saturday. And look, we'll get into the DeGrom thing here in a second. It sucks that he got hurt, but that's why he's your ace. You lost four in a row. He goes out and does what he does until they had to pull him and get your team back on track. And now with the Diamondbacks, you got a chance maybe to get get hot. And you finish April. This is a real record. The Rangers are in first place in the AL West after the first month. Two and a half games ahead of Houston with a 17 and 11 record. Not, and for the most part, they played pretty well. Uh, they had that bad, you know, that bad stretch where the bullpen basically blew three games for them. Otherwise, and we're just talking about the games that, that should be guaranteed wins that you lost. Four nothing, four nothing, and six to one. You should win those. Yep. Yep. Um, so duh. I mean, they had, I mean, they're just a blown bullpen. Bad bullpen a week away from being what twenty and nine, yeah, or twenty and eight, and uh, we'd really have something to talk about. But I got to tell you, and I think I tweeted this out today. Swept in Cincinnati, swept by Cincinnati, take three out of four from the Yankees. Yeah, that to me is baseball. No that's, doubt, that's man. What it is? Because all you can do is shrug and be like, okay, all right, that's didn't see that coming. Right, and so. Um, uh, there's a lot of encouraging things. There's a few things bubbling under the surface that have you nervous. 
But I'm telling you, man, and we haven't seen this. Let's just keep it real, dog. We ain't seen this in forever. We Maybe haven't. Never. No. And what I'm talking about, and Matt knows what I'm talking about, even though we haven't discussed it, is what you're seeing is what a team built on pitching instead of offense will do. They're often, when they have a good offensive day like they did today, well, ain't nothing you can do with them. But, dude, it's the pitching that's keeping them in games almost every, day, almost every week. Like, I haven't looked it up. And maybe I, I will uh, for the next thing. But I guarantee you they've had a bunch of quality starts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when you get quality starts and you can get to the bullpen, when you want to get to the bullpen, um, you know, things go well for you. And I got to give a tip of the hat, and I don't do this often. I really don't. Um, Martin Perez has been doing that thing, man. He pretty good, you know, I was I was hesitant to give him the money because I'm like, dude, He's really just a guy his entire career. Um, you know, and so, no, I'm not giving him no three- or four-year deal worth, you know, $90 million off of one, you know, hell, heck of a year. But, bro, Martin Perez doing that damn thing. And he's been – he did it all last year. Mm-hmm. And he ain't doing nothing this year that he didn't do last year. He's pitching into the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. He's giving you quality starts. He's winning games. Uh, he's uh, – He's doing that thing, bro. He is. He's got a 2.41 ERA, 33 and two thirds innings pitched. Been just absolutely fantastic. His WHIP is 1.4, striking out seven per nine innings. And since the beginning of 2022, so all of last year and the first month of this season, and his six starts that he's made so far this year, he's tenth in Major League Baseball in ERA. Dude, and see what I'm what I'm about to say is at that point. There's no flukiness, no flukiness to it. It's just what it is, because you've played enough games that, that um, you know, that whatever happened, you know, the the uh, the averages come to the top. You, I mean, it just is what it is. That's how good you are. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, man, Texas Rangers are uh, that pitching staff. They paid a lot for it, so they're getting their money's worth. But. I was just looking at it now. Like, when's the last time you saw Because I can't find my complete game stat, man. But just look at this and think about the Texas Rangers, okay? 247 innings pitched, 208 hits. Amazing. And how about this one, bro? 247 innings pitched, 245 strikeouts. Incredible. And how about this, bro? 247 pitch innings pitched, uh... Oh, my God. I'm waiting for 77 walks, which is what, Matt? Tied for second in the American League in fewest walks allowed. It's, it, it's absolutely – I mean, that's a month of Rangers pitching. One, one off the leader. Minnesota's allowed 76 walks. The Astros, 77. The Rangers, 77. Dude, that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know. And, and, you know, it, it's that, and like you said with this offense, I mean, you know, Jonah Heim, after the first month of the season, is hitting 303 as your starting everyday catcher, basically. You've got Josh Young, who hit six home runs in April, and that is a Rangers rookie record for home runs in the month of April. you got Garcia, who has 30 RBI in the month of April and becomes the third Ranger ever in the history of the franchise to hit 30 RBI by the end of April. The other two were Juan Gonzalez and Josh Hamilton, who both ended up leading the league in RBIs in those seasons. Heck yeah. I mean, they got a team, man. We've said this at the beginning of the year, and we'll continue to say it. It's all about the health. And that's where this conversation about Jacob deGrom comes into play, because we mentioned it. DeGrom had a problem and felt some forearm tightness in, I believe it was the fourth inning on Friday. And Maddox comes out with the trainer. And then Bochi comes out and they that's it. He's done. And lo and behold, they go in there. They don't see any structural damage. Nothing is wrong, but there's some inflammation. And he has to go on the 15-day IL and is not eligible to return until May 14th. And so DeGrom's obviously going to miss a couple of starts. That just is what it is, bro. Yeah. I mean, uh, and here's the thing, man. Don't sit up there and get frustrated because literally it is what it is. Uh, You knew the deal when you signed him. You knew it was going to be that kind of party. And enjoy him when he's out there. Take advantage of his skill set when he's out there. And uh, hope like heck that he can finish 
the season. Really, Doug. That's what that's what I'm really all about. Yeah, that's kind of my thing as well. And and you you knew when you signed him, the dude was going to miss games. You knew it because that's what he has been in the very recent last few years of his career. The the hope is that it's not serious. Yeah. And hopefully it's not because, okay, you got to miss a couple of starts, but I think, and they don't have a DeGrom to come right, in and right. replace him, but they've got some depth and they've got some options and some guys. And maybe your offense can bail you out a couple of times when you've got to have that come up in the rotation. But, you know, Valdi's been really, I think for the most part, has been really, really solid and, and doing what we thought he could do. John Gray has been solid. As you mentioned, Martin Perez has been solid. Heaney has been so It's just been... This, for the first time, I think maybe ever is in my Rangers life, the starting pitching is nice to watch, and you freak out when they get to the bullpen, but we're used to that. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really have a problem with it, my friend. But, I mean, we've been waiting for this for a minute. I mean, the Texas Rangers, man, and I know it's only one month, but it's a hell of a lot better than a lot of the months that we've had in recent years. They are very much in this thing, and a lot of the times in recent years, you knew by the end of April that it was over. And you look at it now in the American League, they have the fourth best record behind Tampa, Baltimore, and Toronto. And then it's the Texas Rangers. And they'll welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks for a series. The Diamondbacks are 16 and 13, and they are tied with the Dodgers for the lead in the National League West. So that's what's coming up for the Rangers this week, and maybe they can keep it going and, and extend it. Also, and I haven't seen when this is supposed to start, but the Stars went into Minnesota on Friday night and absolutely dominated the wild and once again they dominated them in game five they dominated them in game six the stars were the better team in five of the six games in this series there was no reason for this thing to go seven they were they were the better team and they went out and took it to i mean minnesota just looked lifeless on friday night and a lot of that was this they the stars just went out and imposed their will and minnesota just didn't have it in them to keep up with it well they they Dude, I've told you about this. We've talked about it many times. Um, you can take a team's heart from them if you'll show up early. What happens is too many times in a game like that, you, you allow them to start fast and you breathe confidence into them. And now they're ready to play and they're like, oh, shit, we can win this game. Well, the Stars did the opposite of that. They're like, nah, bro, not today. And Minnesota was like, uh, not today. And they're like, nah, bro, not today. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see y'all later. Yeah, and it's, I, I, I think because we're recording this on Sunday evening and the Avs and the Kraken are playing later tonight. And obviously game seven, the winner of that game will play the Stars in the next round. I don't know for sure, but I believe it's either Tuesday or Wednesday when you would jump back into that. It's kind of nice Pavelski very likely could be available for game one of the next series. The Stars, if it's if it's Tuesday night, that gives the Stars three full days off to rest with Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And the team, whoever wins, comes out of a physical, tough seven-game series and immediately two, three nights later has to play. So that's a benefit for the Stars early on in that series. We'll see how it goes because if it's the Avs, then the Stars would play the abs would have home ice if it's the kraken the stars would have home ice i mean you gotta you gotta hope that the uh that the kraken wins while not expecting them to win yeah i, mean, I think it's yeah. gonna be uh i think it's gonna be the uh the abs to win it um but they're not quite as good as last year although they're terrific and so uh you know if the stars play their game then the stars will have a shot to win it that's all i can say and i think that's all you can expect yeah, I agree. And we'll see how it plays out. I, I, nobody thought the Kraken would take the abs to seven, but I'll tell you this, in the Eastern Conference, sure as hell, no one thought when the Bruins were up three games to one on the Florida Panthers, no one thought that would be going to a game seven. And lo and behold, no. they are playing a game seven. And if, <laughs> if Boston were to lose to the Panthers in the first round of the playoffs, that would be one of the, that actually might be the biggest upset in playoff hockey history. Yeah, because don't forget, didn't they set the record for most yeah. points? Most points, most wins in a season, up three games to one. And what's crazy is, and, and we're going to not stay on until the end of this, the Panthers are playing game seven in Boston right now, and they're winning going into the third period. Oh, my God. Well, you got to understand why. What no pressure on them. I mean, th no this would just be, this would be stunning if the Panthers are able to come back and pull this off. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> 
dude, it's going to be sick. And this is what's wrong with hockey. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you get a hot goalie and the next thing you know, anything is possible. We talk about that all the time, but it's true. I mean, you know, the, the Panthers are the, are the worst wild card team that made the playoffs. They only had 92 points. They barely got into the playoffs. The, the Bruins set a record for wins and points, won eight in a row to close out the season, dominated and obliterated people. Everybody thought, oh, they're going to go to the cup, and they might not get past the Panthers in the first round. Absolutely nuts, Dude, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's that whole it's, – it's what happens um, in sports when, the, when it's not just about the game. It's about the pressure. Yeah. And it's about the belief because what happens now? Boston is hoping it can win and hoping it can pull it out. And Florida's like, oh, my God, we got a chance to win this thing. And the other thing is if they lose, it opens it up for everybody. The tournament's wide open now because everybody thought Boston would win it this year. Yeah, no doubt. Then all of a sudden, any, it's literally anybody's game. I mean, anybody can make a run to the cup. Yeah. But we'll see, man. I'm, I'm hoping it's Seattle. They got cool uniforms anyway, and, and I hate the Avs. I absolutely hate the Avs, and that would just be another <laughs> nasty battle between these two teams. I mean, we, this goes back to the late 90s and the early aughts when they were battling in the playoffs back then, and, and it went to Game 7 a couple of times against Colorado when they beat them both times to make that, that jump to the cup in each of those years. But, you know, you remember, God, when was that? That would have been, I think it was 2020, the COVID year when they made the run of the cup, when it went to game seven in the second round against the Avs and they knocked out the Avs in a game seven again. Yeah. I mean, so it's, uh, it's going to be a hell of a, you know, I can't wait to wake up and see what happened because I ain't going to stay up and watch it tonight. No. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not staying up and watching it either, man. I, I will be more than happy to roll on to bed and be totally fine with that. The other thing to throw out the NBA Game seven earlier on Sunday between the Warriors and the Kings, Steph Curry goes bonkers and sets an all-time game seven record, 50 points on 20 of 38 shooting, the most points ever scored in a game seven in league history, 17 points in the fourth quarter. I guess he's good. Dude, you know what I thought, you know what I was thinking about the other day, bro? Dude is 35 years old still doing this. Yeah, man. Like, he's not like he's 30. He's 35, and he's still dominating. Uh, he's a great player. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding. Uh, obviously, he's a great player. But what I really mean is it's just rare that we get to see up close and personal a dude who literally changed the game. Yeah, man. No doubt. I mean, literally changed the game. Uh, some can say for us the better. Some can say for us the worse. Why do you think Caitlin Clark from Iowa, the women's basketball player, why do you think she feels comfortable pulling up from the logo? Because Steph Curry does. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's literally why. And, you know, why do you have kids all over America who can't even get the ball to the rim at seven years old trying to shoot three-pointers from the logo? Steph Curry. It's all because of Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry. It's all because of Steph Curry. Why did my dude become a corner three-point specialist and shoot from the wing on three-pointers? Because he saw Steph Curry doing it, and he wasn't good shooting it out at the top of the key, so he went to the corners where he was better. It's all Steph Curry. Yeah, it is. It's exactly why. And I mean, it's, it, just it's incredible. We, yeah, it's just rare that we see a dude literally up close change the game, bro. And it's, uh, I, you know, I've always been a Warriors fan because they, they seem like they were having so much fun playing the game. And, you know, like, one of the reasons I never was a Patriots fan, everything looked like they, it's no fun playing for the Patriots. Yeah. You know, Brady's yelling at you, Belichick's over a curmudgeon, just an asshole. It's just like, we can win and have fun, man. And be serious about the game. Because don't forget, the Warriors were like number one in defensive efficiency two or three years while they were winning. But they just looked like they were having so much fun playing. And uh, that's really why I was a Warriors fan, man. So now the Warriors and the Lakers, Golden State, Los Angeles, LeBron, Steph will play each other in the Western Conference semifinals, the six-seeded Warriors, the seven-seeded Lakers. We already know the Nuggets and the Suns are playing the one and the four. Denver won game one in that series. And then over in the East, of course, you got the Celtics and the 76ers, the two-three seed. 
And then the eight seed Miami Heat, led by Jimmy Butler, who stunned Milwaukee and knocked them out of the playoffs in the first round. So the Heat and the Knicks are in the other semifinal. And of course, the Heat won game one of that series. So it, it feels about as wide open as ever. And if I'm Denver or Boston or Philadelphia, I got to be looking around going, man, if we're not going to get it this year, when the hell are we getting one? You know? I mean, Denver's the one seed, the only one left. And, and are, are they ever going to find a way to win a title with Jokic there in Denver? Because now this year might be their best shot. Same with the 76ers. I mean, they went and beat uh, in game one. They went and beat uh, Phoenix. And yeah. Handed yep. They have the best team. They were the number one seed. So, you know, you got to get it done, bro. This is their year, I think. We shall see. I don't mind that because I like seeing new teams win. Like, I don't want Philadelphia to win anything ever. So, I'll, you know, Denver would be cool. That's fine. The Nuggets can win. I'm up with that, man. That'd be good for them because I don't want Phoenix to win, and I sure as hell don't want the Lakers to win, and Golden State's won too much already anyway. So, I guess that's just how I feel. I don't want the Knicks to win, even though I like Jalen Brunson. I hate oh, I the Heat. I don't mind if the Knicks win. Can you imagine Brunson leaves in free agency, goes to the Knicks, and wins an NBA championship in his first year? Yeah, see, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't think the Knicks will win, but I don't I mind don't either. winning. But that'd be nuts, man. That'd be, that would be absolutely nuts. He goes and makes a run and wins a title, and Luka and the Mavs don't even get into the playoffs. Incredible, I'm just, man. I'm just going to say this, man, and uh, y'all can take it for what it's worth, but what did we just see? We saw uh, the Lakers beat the uh, number two seed. Yep. The Grizzlies. We saw Golden State win a series against uh, the Kings where they didn't have home court advantage. Yep. And to me, what does it say? It says that's why the hell you play to get into the tournament because when you got good players and a good team, things can happen. That's why you just don't quit and wave the flag up for a 3% chance at a number one draft choice. But that's just me. That's why you play the games, man. You play to win. And you get in there and you see what can happen. That is why you play the games. A lot of good sports action going on, man. So I hope everybody had a great weekend. Yeah, it's been a – I always enjoyed draft weekend. It was a fun one because you had draft weekend, you had Rangers, Yankees, you had Stars winning, you had NBA playoffs, some great hockey game sevens going on, which are always incredibly intense and fun to watch. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We will be back again in a couple of days with our next episode here. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.